Welcome to this week's Leader's Guide for the Spring Quarter of Life Groups. This resource is provided to help you prepare and effectively lead your group. For your convenience, you can also download a written version of the guide under Life Group Leader Tools at gatewaycrc.org forward slash lifegroups. Remember to tune in each week and to look out for the weekly edition of Life Group Leaders Weekly. Let's join Adam Van Dopp now as he introduces this week's material. Well, hey there, Life Group Leaders. We are already now in week number three, and that's pretty neat since we're motoring on through the season, and I think that's just fantastic that we're all on board and we're all marching forward. And uh, in all of this, well, I hope that you are all doing well, that you're all staying healthy, and that you are continually excited by this Revelation series that we're working through. Well, at this point, let's just jump right into our material for this coming week. So in preparation for your third meeting, uh, uh, just a few things I want you to be uh, continually aware of is communication with your group. Now, this is something you're already likely doing naturally, but I just want to remind you that uh, you need to be letting sure uh, your whole group knows what to expect for the coming meeting, who's in charge of snacks and treats, who's, uh, which questions are you focusing on. Uh, remind them of uh, service projects coming up. Remind them to get their sermon guides either online or in the church foyer. And last Sunday, we ran out of sermon guides here in the church foyer, so this week we've committed to printing off more so uh, make sure that everybody does get access to that. Uh, again, plan your approach for the discussion questions. Be sure that you do your own homework. And next, also, have you talked about the covenant? Now, this is something we haven't talked about quite yet. Uh, it's a document that emphasizes our need to commit and to belong to each other as a life group. And it outlines the, the expectations that we have of each other to include everyone in discussion and to also respect the privacy and the boundaries of all that happens within your group setting. Uh, you can find this online in the Leaders tools page near the bottom and uh, remember that this is a document that uh, we don't use to, to police you but we use to encourage you to have that discussion with your group to know and uh, make sure that everyone there is on the same page. Uh, some quick announcements here. So again, pictures, pictures, pictures. We wish to have your pictures. Uh, surf projects. Uh, some of these things are starting to uh, get booked up. So be sure to look online to the, the surf site and uh, pick out a surf project for you and your group. And uh, thinking of shirts as well, because we love our surf shirts and we love uh, seeing you all wear them as you go about your projects. If you do need more because you have new members or uh, some uh, someone has lost theirs or theirs has been totally destroyed because of other cool service projects in the past, be sure to let me know and we will do our best to get you another shirt because we still have lots. Uh, also, also attendance, make sure that you are filling in those online attendance forms as you get those emails just before your group meets. Well, at this point, let's jump into our leader's guide and uh, talk through all the questions that we've got coming up. And the first up is our getting to know you section where we ask two fun and simple questions that we encourage you to use to go around the room and have everyone contribute and answer as a way just to get people talking and laughing and having uh, a joyous time together. First question here is what is your favorite breakfast, lunch, or dinner and why? We'll invite your group to consider these three options and be sure to ask why they answered the way they did and have fun and laugh together. And as I usually tell you what my answer is, and uh, you, my, this time my answer is dinner because that's usually when we put the most emphasis into good quality food. Breakfast is just something simple, lunch is something I rarely have, and dinner is always on the table and it's usually pretty dang good. Uh, number two, have you ever done any extreme sports like skydiving or bungee jumping? If you haven't, well, would you? Uh, this, the second question is usually something that I'm trying to do now to help you get to know the habits and the lifestyle of the particular members of your group. What are they willing to do? What are they not willing to do? And yes, if someone said to me, Adam, let's go skydiving, I would be 
first in line to do that, but I'm pretty sure my wife would uh, veto that very moment. Then we slide into the quick review section where we ask two questions to have you look back at the Sunday's message. So looking back at your notes from this week's teaching, was there anything that particularly caught your attention, challenged, or confused you? And again, as I say every week, the, be a good student. Be uh, a good student yourself and listen to the messages on Sunday mornings and uh, take your own notes, whether you're in person or you're at home. Write down your own questions that you're asking of the text and share those things with the members of your group as to model that behavior and how good this can actually be. Second question here is offered by Pastor Justin. As he says, this week, and Pastor Justin noted that the image of Jesus in Revelation 5 isn't of a cute baby Jesus or even our, our cultural buddy Jesus. It is of the bloodied, conquering lion lamb, the King Jesus on his throne. How does this picture of Jesus change your perspective of him? And then we lead into the God story, into the triads. Uh, these, so these are three questions that we ask every single week and they're, they're always the same. We never change them no matter what we're looking at because we can ask the same question of the Bible at any point. What does uh, this passage say about the character of God, about fallen humanity? Where does this passage specifically expose my sin and unbelief in my own life? But sometimes as we ask the same three questions of a similar body of text, we always end up with the same answers. So sometimes it's good to keep on asking those same three questions, but sometimes you can uh, steer around them and ask an overarching question that asks what strikes you all together about this passage and listen for how God and the world and myself we how, how those things get raised in that conversation now we run into the digging deeper section number one read Revelation 4 verses 1 through 6 the church and our lives are surrounded by God's glory and his presence what do you picture God's glory to look like how do you experience this in your life well, in this passage of scripture, John gets very descriptive about what he sees playing out in front of him. However, take note of the progression of the text. Now look back for a moment to how chapter 3 comes to a close with Jesus standing at the door of the church of Laodicea. He's there, he's ready, and he's willing to receive his people back into his love and into his care, back into the authority of his incredible right hand. Then as chapter 4 opens, John points out that a door that is already open, he describes a scene that is behind the closed door of the church of Laodicea. And it's a fascinating image to think about, especially just after Jesus told us himself that while he was ready to spit the Laodiceans out of his mouth, he's there on the other side of the door in all of his glory with the Father. And it's even more neat to see that if the Laodiceans were to walk through that open door, that while they would see this incredible activity of excitement in front of them, the first thing that they need to pass by is the Sea of Glass, which is, uh, at this point in the text, it's viewed like crystal. But this points, this, this basin, this points to a large basin for washing that was in the front of the temple. And it's really the baptismal font where they are invited to be cleansed of all of their wrongdoings to enter into that fresh, brand new start. And you can almost hear here Christ's prayer for them, like David in Psalm 51, that they too should recognize their own depravity and pray like David prayed, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Now, what might be a good idea as a bit of a discussion tip here is before asking this question, read this text as a group and ask your group to look through the text and to point out all the descriptive language that John is using to describe what he is seeing and what he is experiencing. And ask yourselves the following additional question as you go about doing this. Well, what does this imagery convey about the throne room of God? What are the feelings that we feel as we listen to and read and interact with this particular text? Then we look at a bullet point question here at Exodus, where it says, uh, read Exodus 33, verses 17 through 23. Moses asks the Lord to please show me your glory. 
However, the Lord does not reveal to Moses anything, but he even hides Moses from himself as he passes by. Well, what changed between Moses' experience and John's vision of the throne room in Revelation 4-5? through Well, in the Exodus reference, we go back significantly in time to before when the Israelites took ownership of the Promised Land. They, they received the command to pack up and leave that Sinai desert and to make their way to the Promised Land. But because they had continually forgotten the ways of God, the Lord says to Moses and to the, his whole nation of the Israelites, but I will not go with you. You see, God actually told them that they were going to have to travel alone. There would be no pillar, no more pillar of smoke by day. There would be no more pillar of fire by night. And so Moses, recognizing the, the, the consequences of what's actually playing out in front of him and his nation of people, Moses pleads with the Lord, saying, well, if your presence isn't going to go with us, well, we're not going to go. It's not worth it. He essentially says, if you don't go with us, we don't want to go there with you. Well, without you, sorry. So Moses goes on to plead with the Lord to reveal himself, to show himself to Moses as, as he longs for that deeper connection to always be by God's side. He wants to be more aware of God's plans and his actions. But, but God suggests to Moses that now's not the time. You simply have to trust me that I'm going to take care of all of these things and that I'm going to get you to where you need to go. And for, for Moses, then, I think for us, this is a difficult task because, you know, we're wired to be curious. We're, we're wired to want to know more. We want to be aware. That's God. That's how God has created us. But yet he's also created us to, to need to accept that mystery. We need to recognize that once again that the Lord is in ultimate control, that he is guiding us to that exact place that John now in Revelation 4 and 5 is a witness to, to himself in the fullness of Christ's glory. You see, we recognize, we need to recognize all that much more that we're all in a process of being readied to enter into that throne room. But it's a process and Christ will get us there. Second, read Revelation 4 verse 11. In our worship, we recognize that God has created all things and that everything exists with his knowledge and power. Well, how do we make sense of all that is happening in the world right now? And so in this throne room worship service that is happening, the 24 elders sing the song in 4 verse 11 to God and while he sits upon the throne and they're singing of his worthiness of all the glory, all the honor, and all the power. And in the song, they sing the reason that it's because he, God, was the one who created all things and put all things into motion. You see, they have this firm understanding that before everything was, God is. That from the very get-go of the world and all of the universe, God already was. It's a staggering thought to consider, especially as you see the graphic that I put into the, the actual printed leader's guide there. It's of uh, the, the sun and all the planets that are, we are part of our solar system. And then on the, there's a little text that says, you live here. And it's, it points to this tiny, minute, little blue and green dot. And, and you get this perspective, this healthy dose of perspective that in comparison to everything else in our solar system, that we are just these small, minute, tiny little things. And we get this understanding that our lives are about so much more than about the dim reality that we currently are trapped within. And yes, the pandemic, yes, the floods, yes, the tension, the wars, the political unrest, all of these things are in our lives right now are terrible things and we lament over them and it's good for us to do that. 
But we need to understand that the worship of our Creator and our need to develop the same understanding that Moses discovered in Exodus 33 is paramount for us to discover the realness of this throne room scene and that this song that the elders are singing that God has everything in control, that He has set everything in motion and all of it and all of those things are all pointing to this very moment that is happening in Revelation 4 as these doors are thrown wide open for you and I and as we read in the Revelation 5, the myriad of people that are are in this presence and it's a beautiful thing for us to consider which leads us now into the question number three read revelation 5 verses 6 through 10. well as we enter worship whether in a church service or through a a private devotion and prayer we often come feeling unworthy or ill-equipped what is there about this passage that might inspire you to approach the lord with confidence and assurance Well, we come to scriptures as unworthy and as ill-equipped because, well, we are just that and it's good that we identify that and feel that way because otherwise, you know, we're God. But we are not God. We are not Jesus Christ and we're certainly not the Holy Spirit. We simply don't have access to the same perspective. You see, we see ourselves and we need to see ourselves in a very dim way and we need to understand that we're right where we need to be. And that place is us growing in more awareness of God's call upon us to rely more and more upon Him each and every day and rely upon Him for His provision. And one thing that came up in my own life group the, uh, just last night is looking through the seven letters to the seven churches, uh, many of them who were quite aff- affluent, they thought that they had it all together. They thought that they had all of the things as they were able to provide their own clothes, their own salve, their own eye treatments and all the other things. But Jesus, as you read these seven letter churches, these seven letters to the seven churches, Jesus commands the people, his audience, to find their resources and sustenance in himself. And I find that just fascinating, that just in that we have access to all of these things, and that's probably good, that's probably by design, but we think we could get them by ourselves, but God says at the front of us saying, you know, these things are from me. Find these things in me, and then you'll get everything you need. And as I was putting this all together, I I remember this other passage here in uh, 1 Corinthians 13 where Paul writes about this this element of love and and what love is and what love is not. And at verse 12 in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians there, uh, he says in respect to our ability to love, Paul writes, For now we see a mirror dimly, but then, ultimately at Christ's return, uh, we'll see him face to face. And now I know in part, and then at Christ's return, I shall fully know, even as I have been fully known. And so this passage in Revelation emphasizes our inability and Christ's full and complete ability to not only open and read the scrolls, but to bring us into a place where we can more fully know its teaching and commands in its fullness, in its realness, in the real person of Jesus Christ, the the broken, the slain lamb who was there in that very place, welcoming us into the presence of his Father. And so how does then this following, the following passages help you in that approach to recognize that we can in fact, in our brokenness and our own dimness, approach the throne with confidence and assurance because, well, Christ has come with us to that very place. So I offer there three passages for us to explore, first being Proverbs 3.26, where we see that the Lord will be our ability, that he will be all that we need to do what he has commanded us to do. And it's interesting to take note that as he is the one who's commanded us to live it a life of love and compassion, that it is also he that will be the resource to help us in order to do it. Second passage is Isaiah 41 verse 10, 
where we see that we must remember that as he has promised to do all of these things, that he will in fact be with us. He's never going to leave us. And so as he's commanded us to live, he's provided the way. And now we'll see that he'll never leave us to sort it out on our own. Because when we sort things out on our own, we tend to go disastrous ways. But God says, you know, I'm there with you and I'm not going to leave you. I'm not just going to push go and have you run. I'm going to run with you. I'm actually going ahead of you. I'm going to be your feet. I'm going to be the landing strip. I'm going to be it all. It's why in the book of John, we are told about the helper who have come. So if you're so inclined, look up John 14, 16, uh, verse 26 as well, 15, verse 26 and 16, verse 7. And you see in there, Jesus talking to his people and ultimately to us saying, the helper will come to help you through all of this. And then finally, we look at Philippians 4, 13, where Paul here ultimately recognizes where exactly his strength and his ability will come from. That as we are invited to strive to run the race, to win the crown of life that we talked about last week, once again, we are reminded of where our true source of help and provision comes from, this time from a slightly different angle. So at this point, we take it home where we look at a question that kind of tries to wrap up the whole theme of what we've been talking about into one small question that hopefully should be somewhat challenging to us. So read Revelation 5 verses 11 through 14, where we ask, in the worship service that is depicted throughout Revelation 4 through 5, we take note that the service is never about humankind. What do these chapters chapters then teach us about our focus in worship? And how then do we apply those things in our lives now? So the only times that humanity comes up in this passage are the moments when praise and honor are being given towards the Lord God and towards the Lamb who was slain, which is Jesus Christ. And like we've been seeing all along, the culmination of the work of the Lord is not about our individuality, but about his supremacy. And so the elders worship and the four living creatures worship. And even in 4 verse 6 there, the living creatures are all described as being full of eyes in front and behind. Now here, unlike Moses before and, you know, the audience that we have from Paul there, people are being brought now into the full awareness of God and his power, and they're being invited into his perfect presence. Well, how does this then challenge us in our worship? Well, more and more we need to recognize that worship is less about who is worshiping and more about who is being worshipped. As Pastor Justin talked about, we're, we're designed to worship. Uh, If we're not worshiping God, we're worshiping something else. So first off, we need to be aware about who we're giving glory to. We need to actually think logically, if we're not giving God all of the praise of our lives, well, who is receiving it? Is it Netflix? Is it social media? Is it the truck that we drive every day? Is it our children? Is it that sport that we can't live without? Is it that hobby that we just can't stop talking about? Is it it anything that's culminating our, our attention more than what God is getting? because then that's what we're giving our glory towards. And secondly, we need to recognize how it is that we worship. Are we focusing our needs, sorry, are we focusing on our needs as we engage in it? Are, are we thinking about only ourselves and what we're being edified by or challenged by? Or is it about us recognizing that it's not about us, that it's all about him? Is it our, our focus that's being pulled away by matters of unimportance, like the color of the carpet? or, or the, the amount of instruments on stage, or the quality of the light, or, you know, even as we're going about our own personal abilities to worship in our own sense, is it about maybe a translation of the Bible that we didn't agree with? Or is it about a particular song that the words just su- didn't fit right? I guess what I'm asking here is, as, as we think about worship, more than just what happens in a church service, 
are we doing the things we're created to do in that our lives are supposed to be an act of worship in completeness and fullness towards God? Are we doing that? And does it look like this, this entrance into the throne room of God where there's complete and utter jubilation? Are we approaching our lives with that same mentality? So at this point, I invite you to close your time of meeting with a word of prayer, chatting through your ongoing prayer needs, updating each other about the things that you've been praying for for the last couple of weeks. And uh, of course, as you're going through it, be assured to offer some elements of praise, things that are, are great that are happening. And so uh, at this point, I invite you to close off your groups and uh, plan for your next meeting. At this point, also, uh, if you haven't talked about serve projects, talk about your serve project. If you haven't talked about the, the covenant form, talk about the covenant form and talk through those things and what it means for you and your group. But otherwise, we've done another 20-minute uh, session here, and I know I've taken too much more of your time. So I pray a blessing upon each and every one of you this week that your groups would continue to thrive and grow. And as we dive into this incredible book of Revelation, that you would all be continually challenged by this incredible uh, imagery-filled book to recognize it. Yes, at the end of the day, God has won, we have not, and we usher and give ourselves over to his victory and to enjoy it as we can each and every day. Well, everyone, uh, blessings to you as you serve in this way. See you.